Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Track Talk. This episode comes to you as part of Live From My Drum Room with Stan Lynch for May 30th, 2020. One of my very first shows. And uh, this was a great episode. It was about 90 minutes long. Uh, still one of my favorites and one of the most popular episodes of Live From My Drum Room with I don't know, something like 25,000 views on YouTube. So if you haven't watched this entire episode, I will put the link in there so you can go and check it out. But in this little segment, we talk about two of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' biggest and most iconic tracks, in my opinion. Here Comes My Girl and Even the Losers. Uh, Both tracks, of course, from Damn the Torpedoes in 1979 and During this little segment, we talk about the evolution of the groove of Here Comes My Girl, how it started as a sort of derivative of Walk This Way by Aerosmith. And uh, of course, the end result, Stan made all his own. You can hear his swagger and his swing. It's unmistakable on that song and his feel. Uh, It's just, to me, one of the most difficult songs to really cop the way Stan got it to sound check it out. I'm going to, of course, play the track when it's all said and done. And then we talk about even the losers, uh, probably my favorite Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker song. Personally, it just has everything. It's just a rock and roll assault. It has, you know, great Tom fills, drum fills, sets up all the different parts of the song. Um, Stan is just a, a, a locomotive throughout this song. I love the little drum intro in the beginning right through to the end of it. You'll hear Stan talk about his, quote, mistake during Even the Losers. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. And it's at two minutes and 24 seconds uh, into the song, you'll hear uh, right after Tom says the lyric, God, it's such a drag when you're living in the past. And he does a a fill where he's thinking he's going around two tom-toms, but it's only one tom-tom and his ride cymbal. So it's It's an unplanned little triplet to the ride cymbal, but it's perfect. I think it's the most perfect fill that he could have ever played there. And uh, and I think he's happy with it now, too, all these years later. Anyway, check it out. Listen to the conversation. Check out the tracks. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the other side. Thanks. What would Mick Fleetwood do? You know, he'd just go four on the floor. What would Charlie do? You know, not that you're ever going to get there. But it's like, or Ringo, you know, or any of those cats. You just try to pull it out of your ass when you don't know what to do. And Keltner was so great because he would always give, early in life, he gave me the advice, when you don't know what to do, put one hand behind your back. And I was like, the most amazing thing that happens when you do that. Yeah, yeah. You might be overworking. They just want to hear a rhythm. They just want to hear a groove. They don't want to hear you working so damn hard and trying to figure out all the gears and the, you know, it's rock and roll, man. Like get a pulse. And he was, he was instrumental in getting me that to the part in that in breakdown because I couldn't swing. I couldn't shuffle, you know? So he got me there with the one hand. Is that okay? Because I, I, I was thinking about that song this morning and, uh, and I, I just gotta, I'm going to say this before I forget to say it. And there's a question too from our friend Dave Maddox. I'm, I don't want to forget to ask you, but, but, you know, when you mentioned Keltner, you mentioned all these guys, like iconic drummers, Ringo, Charlie, Jim, Jeff, um, Hal Blaine. And I put you in that category. And our friend Rick, I hate to say it because he's probably still listening, but I <laughs> put him in that category too. And Dave Maddox. But, but like, 
And I'll just say, as a drummer listening to you, <clears throat> as a, I started listening to you around 1976, 77, so I was around 16 or 17. I've been playing a few years. And it was like, it took me a while to realize what I loved about you so much and that I, what I loved about Ringo and Charlie and Levon Helm was your feel. But when you, you know, when you're young and dumb, you don't sort of understand the importance and the nuance of, of what a great feel is. Oh. And, and I've told you this a million times. And, and I remember like when Damn the Torpedoes came out, my band, we covered a bunch of the songs and um, Here Comes My Girl and Refugee, especially. I just could not. And, you know, we'd, we'd get through them and the guys in the band were kind of like, yeah, it's, yeah, you, you know, you played the part. But in my mind, it was always like, God, I sound like shit. This is just not happening. It's just not. And I still, when we play your songs <laughs> now, you know, it's I, a lot of nights I'm listening and I'm going, thank God Stan is not in the room right now because he maybe throw something at me. It's, it's uh, every drummer has a chemistry and a biology and a, and a place that they sort of start from. I think every drummer, you know, we have a comfort zone, you know, like when you sit down, I, I'm, I venture to guess 90% of the drummers always sit down and kind of do the same thing. Yeah. That's what I think they all sit down, you know, when they're kind of alone, they, you know, they, they start where they live, you know, they just kind of, and I think that fortunately for me, what I happened to do fairly naturally was what the band needed at the time. So it wasn't like a stretch for me. It wasn't like I had to go like, gosh, I hope I can get, well, here comes my girls, the perfect example. I was trying to a, walk this way. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't get close. So it was like, I gave up. I abandoned it at one point because it was, I couldn't get the starch. You know, Joey Kramer had that, there's a starch in that, that like, it's just, man, is it, it's like, it's just coming at you like a, and uh, I, my, I kept feeling, because the band was loose, you know, my band would like, we'd go into sections and we'd kind of breathe and fuck up and fall apart. And, and I, I felt that as sort of part of the glory of not knowing what was going to come next. You know, yeah. I, Really knew what drum fill I would play, you know, ever in a take, because it would depend on if if Tom screamed or if Mike went or bended a, you know what I mean. I was reacting constantly, so I was trying to be Joey Kramer, and he was the wrong guy at the session. You know what I mean? Because he wasn't. Yeah. That track wasn't reacting when I would try to play like him. I couldn't get the band to react. They almost was like. What did you do? What, what yeah. just happened? So I, I was doing a shit version of him, but then finally I just, I gave it up. And then I think I was probably freaking out because we weren't getting it taken. And then finally somebody went like, oh, I felt pretty good. And I'm like, oh, well, there's a clue. You know, like, don't try to go boom, boom, boom every time. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Walk this way. It's every, I mean, man, you know, boom, bah, boom, 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 bah, boom. And it was like, that didn't going to work for this song. It was just too, yeah. Us, Tom's talking. Too, too, yeah. You know, it was, it was, it was too like for that, you know? Yeah. We were, I, I gotta tell you, we were, when we first started playing that song, my band, I'm going to plug him, Grand Theft Audio. Oh, man. A couple of the guys are watching right now. 
Um, my one of the, my bandmates, Paul Candelori, one of the guys who plays guitar, great guitar player and singer. Um, we were setting up the gear, and we I think we played the song once or once for the first time that night, and we never rehearsed it. We all just learned it and said, let's try it. And he told me the story about how it was the sort of the groove was a derivative of Walk This Way or... And I, I, you and I never talked about that, and I, did, I didn't know that. And then I thought about it, and I said, well, I, could, I guess I can sort of hear it. But, but to your point, if you had played it just like Joey did on Walk This Way, it, it would have, wouldn't have had anywhere near the, like the, the character, you know, and the, and the... It would have been a different record. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, yeah, I mean, there's... there's As a, before, before they introduced the metronome into recording, and all these records, these are all just live recordings that we're talking about. Um, the, it was incumbent upon me to, to support the vocal. That was my gig. And yeah. that would be changing too. Like that was a, a movable feast. So Tom was sort of writing at the mic still, you know, like, so I, it would be like up to me, you know, when he would say something like, when you go, hey, or, you know, or something, I'd be like, I better react to that. I can't be going, blah, 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 blah. you know, I got to just get out. He, he, He's singing drum fills, so yeah, yeah. I either got to do it, do what he's doing, or get the fuck out of his way. You know what I mean? So, um, for me, the North Star has always been support a lead vocal, and that's where I got into trouble later when we when records were make being made, where there's sort of like there's no vocal yet. You know what I mean? You don't really know what the song is, or it's gonna yeah. be, or it's gonna have all this. I'm like, well, what am I doing here? And oh, what you're doing is you're providing like a carpet bomb of rhythm that just stays out of the way. And that's really not what I do. You know, that's not really what I do well. Right. I know I understand the process of making records today and I, I get it. But really as a live drummer, my job was to feel energy, put energy in, dig it, you know, go for something. I guess a live take, in a sense, is really what I enjoyed. Right on. And and did that? Would you say that process, in terms of like when you when you were really? I mean, I know you guys did records before Damn the Torpedoes, obviously. But would you say that process really started to really take hold around the time of Damn the Torpedoes, where you were really fixated or focused in on like Tom's vocal and 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 kind of where he was going and. The first couple of records we were right there because we rehearsed those songs. We knew those songs. They were yeah. a live show. They were the set. I mean, yeah. we recorded everything we knew, essentially, on the first record. And maybe we, I mean, we got, Tom and I went in the studio one day, just the two of us, and cut a song together that ended up on that record. And um, there were a few things that came together in the band that were experimental that made the record. But essentially, we were a, a live act that would take the call the best stuff yep. and go make a record. You know, that was sort of how it worked. How bands did it then, right. So let's see, let's see. Somebody had asked about the drum kit behind you and it, we, you might've missed the beginning of it when we talked about the fact that that is the kit that you used from 79 on. It usually didn't have a all up. Can you see the kick drum? I don't even know. Yeah. Yep. Cut out head on it now. When we did all those records, all the lugs were off of it. You know what I mean? It was like strips or nothing rattled. And it was really packed tight. 
and the bass drum was really loose. It was an emperor, yep. you know, head, and it was tuned so loose. And just all <clears throat> you were just getting all that attack. You were just getting, you know, just just not, not I won't say tone, but you weren't obviously you were just getting the the batter head and just all that. Yeah, you had to be real careful about slamming. You know, it was like kind of like it was it was a trick. You know, and I mean we were so. We were, I mean, I, I literally, we throw out a great take because there was a bass drum flat. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. For anybody under the age of 30 watching this, that's what, what happened. You know what I mean? It's like, if you, you know, literally, I remember the end, of, you knew you had cut a good take when you'd look over at the producer or the engineer and they'd go, at the end of the day, like, shut up. Don't put the sticks down and go, what's up, man? Or, you know. Like, how is that? <laughs> we, yeah, we need a, but that was always a great sign that like Shelly or Jimmy would go like, like, yeah, we're close, you know, we're getting close. You know? Yeah, I just got like a, I swear, like a chill when you did that, because I can, I can picture that. I can picture like, you know, everybody, you know, being there for it. Yeah. And, and that feeling. In the control room and you know, you go, and like Jimmy would go like, I think the last one was the one, and Tom would say something like, you know, usually be like, no, I think, let me hear two first, you know, or something like that. Because we do it in threes for the tuning, and, the, you know, it was like, that was about what we had. And I think a real tape would give you three at 30 ifs, three takes. Yeah. Oh, uh, you get, you know what I mean? And we were keeping them all, you know what I mean? So there's somewhere, there's a 15,000 square foot warehouse full of 3M, or yeah. and uh well, you know, occasionally they'll place some outtakes on on the on the uh, Tom Petty station on Sirius. I've heard you've probably heard him too, and and um, about him. heard about him. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's interesting to hear him, and you know, you it's it's always cool to hear, you know, whether it's Beatles or Stones or you guys, and and you kind of go, okay, now I see why they they pick this one, you know. But it's always as a fan, you're always excited to hear like a different take of it you know different whether it's a vocal or uh, but I, what i've what i and you and i've talked about this a million times in private and when we did the magazine interview last year but um just the parts that that you came up with um yeah on all the records but i you know i songs like even the losers i i to this day i think is like it's just such a great part that that um you know i, I can't imagine any other so I can't any other way of ever playing that song with those parts in it, you know. That's very kind. I appreciate that. That's that's really kind. I it's I am not objective about that work. I it's it, it's you know it's also been a long time. You know that was a long time ago. Yeah. Like yeah. um, it's it's interesting. Though. I do occasionally I'll catch a song on the radio and I'll I'll turn it up now. I you know I'll actually just turn it up and I'll go. Well, that's interesting, you know, and I can, I'm not, I'm amazed at, at the, um, some of the early stuff, the live feeling is really there, in it. you know, like I'll go, oh, wow, that really is a take, that's not a put up job, you know, it's like good, bad, or different, and even, and even, and, and even the losers, there's a terrible drum mistake, and it's like, but it was like, it's, it's fine, I actually grew to like it. And for a while, I was horrified. It's like there's a spot where I go, like I hit a ride cymbal. Like, yeah. 
something. I did not mean to do that. That's so funny. There was some. I know exactly where it is, and it, it it's, a, it's a flub. But it's like nobody really cared. Nobody. Um, I think what it was is I was I was at the time I probably had um I was still figuring out whether to have two tom toms, two rack toms, or one. Sometimes in the studio they they want a whole you know a whole tom tom shenanigans. And I think at that point I might have had a four piece kit, and I thought I was going to I thought I was hitting a tom tom, but I put the ride back in. You follow? I'm oh, sure. Yeah. I, yep. You know, and it was like one of those like. And then when I did it, nobody, I thought, was well, sure the tape's dead, you know. But it was, like, too late because the, there's a part coming after it where the, the buffalo starts stampeding again. So, yeah, everybody's doing it. Tom, you know, everybody was, like, you know, fired up. You know, guitars are flying. Ben's doing his thing. And, and I figured, well, I figured they'll never go for that one. But, no, it was weird. It was, like, maybe somebody mentioned it once to me in the band. Like, Campbell probably went like, oh, weird symbol lick or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Symbol lick or something, you know, or something like that. He would probably been the only guy to go, oh, good luck with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think so. That was, but I like, I like that now. I like that it's there, you know. I, yeah. So there you go. No, that that's cool. I, and I, you, I never knew that too. And I knew, I know exactly that spot you're talking about. I think it's the the vocalist got it such a drag when you're living in the past, or maybe it's a different. But the lessons to be learned from there is never stop a take. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Until somebody drags you away from your drums, don't ever surrender the take. If you're in a, if if you are lucky enough to be in a situation where you're recording live with no click, and you're just working um it's not up to you as the drummer to stop you know what because you don't know you really don't know if you're in the moment and you're really playing your drums with all your might and with everything with all your you know with all your heart you don't know if you're really you don't really know if you're good or bad you're not supposed to know yeah that's an that's for someone else it's like this is an out-of-body experience. I'm freaking out. I'm digging it. I'm loving it with everything. You know, you shouldn't be looking around looking for approval. You're just... You know. So I think that that's the lesson I probably had already learned. It's like, don't jinx. Don't be youth. Don't be the asshole that goes, oh, I hit the symbol. Yeah, yeah. Great vocal takes. And what are you doing? I could see Tom would probably run my neck, you know, because he was having a good... That was, a, you know, he was on a roll.
the day I have to stop Ask myself why I'm gonna It just seems so useless to have to work so hard And nothing ever really seemed to come from it And then she looks me in the eye And says we don't last forever
Carnival. That's my show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please give it a like, leave me a comment. Um, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already done so. Remember, all these episodes are available as podcasts on all podcast platforms. So download them, check them out, tell your friends, give them away as Christmas gifts. I do appreciate your support. Remember, no drummers are ever harmed on Live From My Drum Room or Track Talk. And drummers, when in doubt, leave it out. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you again real soon. Thanks.